Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Vikings, come out and play. Now listen to the Believe in Vikings podcast with B-Mac and Baker. Welcome to a victorious edition of Believe in Vikings. I am your host and writer for the Viking Age, Vikings Territory, and the national mothership of fan-sided, Dustin Baker. And I am here with Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champion, national champion, and former Minnesota Viking, Bryant McKinney. What up? I'm here today, and I'm in good spirits, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's what winning does. We've done – so we, this is our first podcast – well, my first podcast experience. I shouldn't say Bryant. And all we've done so far is losses. That first uh, podcast that we had was a preview of the season. We were all excited. And the last few have been depressing. So we are pumping in the optimism tonight, and we're going to get into – uh, the Texans victory, and then we're going to preview the Seahawks. And in between that, we're going to talk to Meg from Virginia and get her takes on the Minnesota Vikings. But first, we're going to pay homage to our sponsor. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all of the action at Bet Online. Um, the Vikings this week are seven-point underdogs um, in Seattle versus the Seahawks. So if you believe in Vikings, go over to betonline.ag and put your money where your mouth is once again. Um, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And there's always an online casino that uh, that's open and it never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. So we're going to hop into the victory against the Texans. The Vikings win that one 31-23, to and it feels like it was a long time coming because we were 0-3. Uh, we even had a show last week with uh, Henry Thomas, a nose tackle the Vikings. Hopefully you guys checked that out, and Fred Davis from HG Show with Bitter Mike. And we talked about how that was a desperation game. And lo and behold, the Texans coach got fired right after that game, a day after or so, and the Vikings are 1-3 heading to Seattle. So we're going to get into a bunch of stuff, but Bryant, you watched the game, I think, when you were juggling watching the Miami game because you got to go to that. Uh, you know, Miami yep. played Seahawks. Oh, yeah, so you got to know. You weren't juggling. You were scouting is what you were doing. Scouting. <laughs> doing a lot of things. All right, so what your takeaways? Obviously, we, we won, so that put a big smile on your face, but tell me what you, right out of the gate, what you liked about that game. Um, I feel like it was a a desperation game for both ends, and I feel like the Minnesota Vikings found a way to win. So I appreciate and respect that. And that had to take a lot of conversation in the locker room, you know, and try to figure some things out, um, as well as coaching as well too. But uh, and to go to Houston and be on the road and to come away with a win, I mean, that's pretty big. Um, I hope they'll be able to do this again next week. Um, it's not asking for a lot. Maybe, you know, Seattle can be like on a little high. You can sneak in and, you know, sometimes people under, underestimate you. And and teams do that. And that's why NFL is like, you know, any given Sunday. You never know what team. Some teams can be expected to do something, but you still got to go out there and perform. So hopefully they can pull, you know, uh, upset out against uh, Seattle. Yeah, I, I'm i with you 100% on all that. So I don't have much to come back with on that. Um, but I want to ask – did you see enough from this Texan game to get a sense of belief that we can turn this season around? Can we turn it around like immediately? I don't know, but I feel like we can gradually put ourselves back in position to 
get to 500 or maybe even even better. But to just like go on a whole winning streak, I'm not sure like right away. But I feel like we can slowly start like chopping away at some games and put ourselves in back into a better position than we are in now. What I got from this game was a continuation offensively from the Titans game. Um, we were playing so bad through three weeks that it felt like perhaps the Titans game was a mirage that we just hit on a few cylinders with Justin Jefferson catching lightning in a bottle. Dalvin got mm-hmm. going in that Titans game. This served as a continuance of that, and it gives me hope that I think these offensive weapons are gelling together. We all know they're talented. Um, I think Kirk Cousins got a little bit better protection, uh, which I'm sure you can appreciate. Um, so right. I think I think it confirmed the notion that the Vikings offense is actually good and talented, whereas the first two weeks, especially that Colts game, it felt like, oh boy, like this is just isn't going to click at all. So, well, go ahead. Sorry, but remember I was trying to explain to you, and I know all teams have to go through the same thing, but I, maybe the Vikings just had to take it a little longer with our OTAs. You know, you have a new young receiver. You, it's just, you know, a lot going on where they're finally maybe getting into the rhythm of being an offense because an offense – everybody has to click on the same page at one time. You know what I mean? Like I told you before, defense, they don't. Defense, everybody could blow an assignment, one person make a play, it's a big play for the defense. So you have everything with receivers and, and quarterbacks is timing. That's why we have OTAs. You know what I mean? That's why you have training camp, because you want to get down the timing and the rhythm of things, you know? So I feel like they're starting to get that down now, and I just hope they continue. So like we've seen in the Titans game, the rhythm started getting better, the timing started getting better, and it carried over again to the Houston Texans game. So I want that to keep going. But I also need the defense to step up, too, because um, we can't score 32 points and now the team scores 34. Like, you know what I mean? So we need them to definitely, you know, do their part it, as well and, uh, and make sure they feel, get on the field. It kind of sort of feels like we're heading towards some of those Mike Tice days, which I'm sure That's you remember maybe – I, Maybe I even pissed. We had the number one or two <laughs> offense, but the number thirty-one defense. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like we're putting yeah. thirty-something points, but then it's like they're putting up thirty-three. It's like come on, like help us out. Like we're scoring a lot of points, but you're also letting up a lot. So that's what I hope. And I, I know Zimmer is more of a defensive guy, so I want him to be able to hone on his defense. And I want him to be able to get those linebackers in check and start playing. You know, a little more mistake-free. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I feel like that would help out a lot because I feel like the offense is starting to come around because the offense normally can take a little longer. So they're starting to come around. We need defense to be here. I am with you. I wrote an article about that on uh, yesterday. I believe it posted today to Vikings territory that these last two weeks, it has that Tyson feel. And I'm a Mike Tice fan, so this yeah. isn't me bad-mouthing him. It's that you have yourself, uh, Bryant McKinney. You had Randy Moss. Dante, um, Weldy Moore, Michael Bennett, Nate Burleson. Um, and we were able to, in like, you know, that 2005 season, put up 28, 30 points a game. But there was always this sense of doom that once the defense got on the field, they weren't going to be able to tackle and you had to win a shootout. Now, I'm not thoroughly convinced that that's how this season's going to go from here on out. But I can tell you, as a longtime fan, that I have had that feeling twice in a row now. Whereas in the past six years under Zimmer, it was the other way around. I hoped that the offense could score enough a little bit, and then I had zero doubts about the defense. So the right. roles have flipped, and it's uncharacteristic, but I guess it's to be dispe- expected when you uh, get rid of some veterans and then you're without Daniil Hunter and Anthony Barr. So I'm glad you recognize that, and you know, <laughs> and I'm not nuts because I've been feeling that way in my, my bones uh, when I'm watching these mm. games. The other thing I was excited to ask you about, and I wouldn't say this is a point of contention, but I'm curious as your take. Should this win be perceived as a win over Deshaun Watson on the road, or is this just a win against a pretty bad football team? At the end of the day, it's a win over Deshaun Watson on the road. Okay. Deshaun Watson on the road. Um, however you look at it, it's that's what it is. Um and once we go back a couple of years from now and we reflect on the the rivalry or whatever you want to call it, like the amount of times we won or lost, this yeah. will be added. So it, it really doesn't matter if the team is good or not because we won't remember, you know, from a few years from now. But take this as a win and yeah. let's move forward. 
Yep, and the Vikings remain undefeated against the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans came into existence in 2002, I believe, and the Vikings have beat them five times. And we also inadvertently, maybe on purpose, caused the termination of Bill O'Brien, at least. Uh, I shouldn't say cause it altogether, but they put an exclamation point on it. So now that team goes forward with Romeo Crennel as the interim coach, and as it stands right now, he's the oldest coach in the NFL, and he only outranks, outages uh, Pete Carroll, who's the coach of the Seahawks, who, we'll who we will talk about. Oh, Pete Carroll fools you with his looks. He's got that suntan and stuff, and he looks like he's about probably 58, 59, but he's really like 71, 72, I think. Pete oh, Carroll. I didn't know he was in the 70s. Oh, I think I'm pretty sure I'll verify here in a few oh. minutes. But yeah, Pete Carroll was the oldest coach, and then it's Belichick, and then I think it's Zimmer. Uh, but right now, Romeo Cornell, who has some Vikings ties, um, is going to take over there in the interim. So now that we've beat them, we wish the Texans all the best. And if I don't know if uh, Fred Davis and Henry Thomas will listen to this, but we uh, we hope that uh, Texans win some football games because they are in our rear view. I want to know how they feel, though, because, you know, they were kind of, like, trying to, like, bash, which you call it, a little bit. Yeah. I, did you get the vibe that Fred um, didn't like the Texans? I don't even think he was a Texans fan. Right. I think he said, go Chiefs at the end of the, when we were all saying goodbye. I thought I heard that, too, but I was yeah. like, well, there was there was a there was a there was a point when I I think I said, did you guys expect to be zero and three? And he goes, well, Texans fans thought they wouldn't be, but those are Texans fans for you. Right. So I'm thinking he's a surrogate that just does the show in Houston and knows oh, a lot okay. about them uh, because he didn't seem very enthusiastic about his team. But I mean, God love him, he was a cool dude. Um, okay, so I know that you had your eyes on two football games, and that's perfectly okay. Did you happen to see the Harrison Smith ejection? No, I seen I seen them talking about it, but I didn't see actually what happened. Okay, well then uh, I'm sure most of the listeners did. Uh, there was a pass over the middle to Jordan Aikens, who's their tight end, and uh, Harrison Smith went in for a tackle, and it looked like it was helmet to helmet. Um, in reality, it was like a shoulder, probably too high up on the neck or the head area. So, so it should have been a penalty, and lo and behold, they they threw him out. So that's my thing, that that's nothing that can be replayed to see, like, exactly. No, I think they had mercy, because usually when that stuff happens, they follow up with a suspension, or they at least consider a suspension, and I mm -hmm. think the NFL's way of doing a kumbaya was to leave it at a suspension, um, and... I wish they would have left it at the penalty, or yeah, just a 15-yard penalty, because there were two vivid examples in that game when coverage was blown, um, because George Iloka, who's new to the team, so to speak, uh, this is his second go-around, he didn't really play the first time, but anyhow, he was out there, and I mean, bless his heart, I think he was trying, but they were plays that Harris and Smith usually would have been patrolling, and he got burned, um, so... That's another thing, when you look at the defense, that you're like, man, it's gotta, it's gotta clamp down, but... So I think we can agree, um, listener, those out, listeners out there, that that probably shouldn't have been a suspension. We probably should have taken our 15-yard first down penalty and gone on from that, but the NFL had other plans. So on this defense, it certainly wasn't perfect. Um, did you get a feeling when you were keeping tabs on it that when it was 31-16 in the fourth quarter that the Texans were going to come marching back because they, they basically didn't? Uh, I kind of thought that. I feel like the Texans can be that team at times to kind of try to march their way back in it, but then also come a period of time of, okay, we're we're back in the game, but now we have to do something to kind of solidify to make a win, and that's what they weren't able to do, and that's why I was kind of proud of the Vikings because they were able to find a way to win. Yeah, and it was crazy. Um, on the last play, uh, Will Fuller made what looked like a hell of a catch, and then it probably – well – Here's the deal. They, they would have had to got a two-point conversion thereafter, which the way things were going, that probably would have happened, and then we would have gone to overtime, and who the hell knows what would have occurred. Um, but Holton Hill had a good defensive play, and I don't know if you'd say he forced the guy to drop the ball, but he made it very difficult for him to catch. Um, but to our point about five minutes ago, um, there was five or six minutes left on the game. I looked over at my wife, and I said, the Titans are going to find a way to tie this. And I didn't used to have that feeling under Mike Zimmer. So it was one of those examples where uh, the defense has been leaky at times. And uh, typically, and you Zimmer um, rubes out there know this, that when we get a big lead, it's usually automatic lights out. Um, even the games where we've let teams back in, like the, the 2015 
playoff game that where Blair Walsh, Blair Walsh missed the field goal. That was a tight game, and we let them back in. I think we were up ten nothing, and then or nine nothing, and they came roaring back. And ultimately, we know that what rest happened there. But Mike Zimmer is not one to give up leads. So with uh, the defense that we hope matures on the fly, that was another vivid example of when there's five minutes left in a game and you're up 15 points, the throat needs to be stepped on defensively and uh, you know just make it elementary that there's no chance of them coming back. But uh, you did you did say it is Deshaun Watson and you know special players make special plays. So mm-hmm. yes, um, some stats to get into before we pivot to the Seahawks game. Um, jump in whenever you want if you hear something interesting, big man. Um, Dalvin yeah. Cook now leads the league in rushing. Um, he also mm-hmm. had yep. He also has the second most yards through four games um, in Minnesota Vikings history. Um, only Robert Smith in 1997 had more rushing yards through four games. Uh, so, Dalvin, that's an elite stat because Adrian never had more yards than this through four games, and we all know how deadly uh, Adrian was on the field. Uh, some other ones that are cool, um, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are the two top um, wide receivers in the NFL as graded by Pro Football Focus. And that's remarkable because... Uh, two weeks ago tonight, we would have said like, "Well, yeah, Jefferson, maybe, maybe he'll get some playing time around Thanksgiving or something." That's that's what we were saying in Vikingsville, was that we had a rookie that could maybe be good, and lo and behold, he has uh, the eighth most receiving yards in the NFL. Adam Thielen has the twentieth most, so both those guys um, are cooking. Dalvin Cook is second in the NFL in touchdowns. Um, only Alvin Kamara has more, and he has one more uh, than uh, our Dalvin Cook. And another cool stat is that through the first four games of a season, um, Justin Jefferson's yard total of, I believe it's 348 yards, that's the most receiving yards through the first four games of a season in Vikings history. So um, Moss never had more. Uh, I mean, a laundry list of rookies. Percy Harvin never had more, so that is quite commendable. There was a drive, um, I want to say it was in the third quarter, um, where Kirk Cousins arguably had one of the best of his career. Uh, Bryant, there was a throw that he made to Kyle Rudolph that was felt like a jump ball. It felt like he was going to throw, throw it away, but uh, Rudolph went out and got it. And then he found Jefferson um, on a sweet route, and then he ultimately hit Thiedlin in the end zone. And that was an example of why you have a guy like Kirk Cousins, because we knew the defense wasn't humming along. So to Mike Zimmer's point last week, he said, you know, Zimmer said something to the fact that he wished the offense would have went out and beat the Titans at the end there. Well, this week they did that. Um, They got enough points to seal the deal. um, And it was behind Cousins theatrics and arguably one of the best drives of his career. So we last week we talked about or with Henry Thomas, who was not uh, a big Cousins guy at all. Um, you compared Cousins to Flacco. Um, do you think that a team like this, with this type of weapons, it's a it's is this enough for Kirk Cousins to be, you know, the guy, or do you still think it hinges all on the defense? The defense definitely has to help him, and I'm gonna tell you what's funny is. I posted, um, you know, one of the quote. One of the quotes was about me comparing him to Flacco. Ed Reed comes in my comments is like, "No, sir." Oh yeah. But the defense, I mean, like the Vikings defense right now is is nowhere near like how the Ravens defense was. So Dude. I can understand why he's saying no, sir, because, like I said, he needs a supporting cast, and that's what I keep trying to say is like. If he has a supporting cast like that, if you had a defense like that where you don't have to worry about stuff and now your offense is picking up and, and everybody's being all cylinders, then, yeah, the sky's the limit. But right now, the offense is now just, you know, starting to move along. So now we just kind of need the defense to kind of pick up too to, you know, hold their, you know, hold them down and, and to make sure they get up the field. Yeah, I'm with you. Did, was Ed Reed saying Kirk Cousins and Joe Flacco wasn't a fair comparison, or was he saying that no way these defenses aren't in the same league ballpark? Well, well, the the quote was about me saying um, Kirk Cousins could um, be yeah. said to Joe Flacco if he has a supporting cast. And Ed just said no, but I didn't ask him, he's like, <laughs> nobody knows that, but I'm like, yes, it could. So yeah. that yeah, I he, think he, it's more he, of the defense isn't like that. Isn't isn't like okay. the time he was there. You know when I guess we were all on the team, and it's not. But uh, they have potential to grow. 
Yeah, I mean, there's no other way around it. The, this defense right now is nowhere near a Ray Lewis-led defense. Um, it could have been reasonably compared to that in the past mm-hmm. six years yeah. at times, especially the 2017 Vikings defense. But, man, the, the Kirk Cousins is such a like, polarizing figure. I just I can't understand why a guy like Deshaun Watson, we, we listened to Henry Thomas not five days ago saying he doesn't have enough weapons, he doesn't have this, he doesn't have that. But if you if you tried to say that about Cousins in Washington, you were laughed out of the room because it didn't matter. They'd just say, "Oh, he's a 500 quarterback, average at best." And I he, think people, I think people put certain thoughts in people's heads, and everybody kind of just agrees with it naturally. Yeah. But really, if you, but really, like you're just saying, like, okay, well, why if we say this about Kirk Cousins, it's a, it's a different scenario. Like it's the same. Oh, it's a complete. All quarterbacks need, all quarterbacks need some type of support. Like you know what I mean? Like you can't do it on your own. So. Why is it any different for him? And that's why I, that's why I kind of defend Kirk Cousins a lot because I feel like you left somewhere else and like that was a stigma there. You came here to get a fresh start, so stop carrying old luggage to my new situation. Like that's what it was <laughs> in, in, with the Redskins, but that's not what it is here. Like okay, help me, help y'all, help yeah. me, help give me the, the things I need around me to make a, make us successful. So yeah, it's similar to what Drew Brees did when he uh, left San Diego for New Orleans. Um, New Orleans was probably a more competent franchise and ultimately Breeze won a Super Bowl but that narrative was shattered once Breeze got there and I just can't figure out why Watson doesn't have weapons is a perfectly pristine argument you would hear out in the sports world but when it was said cousin cousins in Washington I mean his his weapons in that last year were like Terrell Pryor, Jamison Crowder, running backs were Samahe Perrine I don't even think I'm saying that right so I don't understand why it's a different um, standard he has to adhere to. I don't know. Maybe it's just because Watson's cooler and he's flashier um, and Cousins doesn't have that sex maybe. appeal. I don't know what it is, but I've I, the Vikings have never since, my goodness, the 80s, they've ne- they have not locked down the quarterback position. And sometimes it's no fault of their own. When Dante got hurt, you were there. It was tragic. When, yeah. uh, when Bridgewater got hurt. You weren't there, but that was still tragic. Um, and it's like we go from quarterback to quarterback every two or three or four years, hoping that we find a good retread of a guy. Um, and if it doesn't work, we go to the next veteran. Um, and then when we have tried the rookie thing with Dante, it worked out pretty darn well. And then we tried Ponder, and that did not. And then Bridgewater ended in catastrophe. I was actually but, there with Ponder too for a little bit. Oh yeah, yep that that's correct. Um, yeah, and we yeah we spent high draft capital on him, so I can understand if we had this long history of quarterback supremacy, like you know mm-hmm. Dan Marino was here, and so that's the expectation. But we have Fran Tarkenton, but that was forty years ago, and so I right. don't I I will never understand why the venom towards Cousins is um, just so strong when the guy's a pretty decent dude and a pretty decent quarterback, but we'll mm-hmm. find out. So, all right, we're going to have our second fan segment right now. Uh, we ha- On the line, we have Meg from Virginia. Meg. Hey, Meg, how you doing? I'm great. How are you guys doing? It's yeah. nice to meet pretty you, Brian. Meg. Yeah, that's Bryant McKinney there. If, if my math is correct, Meg, you probably watched him for 132 Vikings games. Oh, there you go. Yep. <laughs> I'm old enough to have done that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Meg joins us from Virginia tonight, and we're going to ask her a series of questions. My first one. I have a question for Meg real quick, though. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Meg, you're based in Virginia. How did you become a Vikings fan? Uh, that was my question. That was... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I grew up, actually, in Virginia, but I met my husband when we were um, a freshman in high school. And he had been a fan since he was about six. His dad was a big Baltimore Colts fan. And he saw the ship and the horns. And he was like, ah, so that was his team. Oh, okay. And he, like, just bleeds purple. Like, there's just gushes purple. So if you didn't join in that, then you just kind of lost out on that part of his life. So I really fell in love with the Vikings probably in the early 90s when John Randall hit my screen. Right. And I fell in love with him and his passion. And in the face paint. Yeah. <laughs> right. We both said it right at the same right moment. The face paint. Yeah, it's, so it's, he's awesome. 
<laughs> it's crazy and how cool those things work when you said your husband fell in love with the ship. My cousin, um, his name's Shane. Well, yeah. I have several cousins, uh, but he lives in South Dakota here where I live, and he's a Bengals fan. Oh. And, you know, so I just you know, rolled with it. And then one day about a year ago, I said, why on earth are you a Bengals fan anyway? And he said, when I was a kid, I liked tigers. Yeah. The tigers. And, and yeah. He just liked, <laughs> he liked tigers as an animal and he thought these are stripes. So these are cool. So, exactly. <laughs> so it sounds, so it sounds like Meg, you've been a fan for about 30 something years. Unfortunately. <laughs> oh boy. I've, I've been in the fetal position a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> We get these fans on here, and we get these unfortunate nuggets. And I think uh, Dave last week said the same thing. Um, he said, you know, from an early age, he's been heartbroken. So, Yeah, it's okay, though. It's it, worth it. it. Yeah, I hear you. <clears throat> All right, so now we'll get into the nuts and bolts of the 2020 season. Um, after the Texans' victory, is this a team, in your opinion, that's poised for a full turnaround, or is the ceiling more like an 8-8? Eight and eight? What say you? Well, I will say me that going into this season, I thought it'd be pretty tricky um, with our schedule and um, our um, rookies in the um, secondary. So I wasn't real positive that we would get more than maybe eight, nine wins anyway. So I'm going to say we're probably not going to hit eight and eight. Not going to do it. Okay. Well, that's fair. So you must have thought I was a crazy person when I was forecasting 11 wins and stuff. <laughs> no, 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 because I was with you. I was optimistic. Okay, but you've changed a little bit because of the start. Well, we lost Hunter. You know, that was yeah. important. Yeah. And, and Barr. And we lost the bar and um, yeah. Michael Pierce. I mean, you know, you defense is gone. Our offense is, is okay. We just need some guards. Yeah, when you say it up. They can carry us, you know. Yeah, when you say it out loud like that, you know, and I'm so embroiled in all this stuff. When you you name them off like that, I'm, I just a second ago, I'm like, God, I got to take a step back and realize that sometimes I think yeah. it can just coast along, but it really kind of hits you when you name those names out loud. So, exactly. but that's, that's why I always name. that's why I always say like, um, you know, on paper it may look a certain way, but you always have to realize there's going to be injuries, there's going to be things that take place the course of the season, so you can never predict early how a season's going to go for people. Exactly. Yeah. That's why the uh, win at Houston was so crucial, and uh, it, really was. it turned out it turned maybe it wasn't a battle of the coaches that were going to get fired because I personally think Zimmer's safe, but it certainly was the end of Bill O'Brien. And Brian, when we did that Pex Texans podcast, they didn't explicitly say that, but I, I'm pretty sure that if we had them on the show right now, they would be okay with <laughs> that termination of O'Brien. I don't think so too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Meg, back yeah. to you. Um, on our quarterback, um, who's kind of a controversial topic, um, are you personally fully committed to Kirk Cousins as the quarterback of this team, or are you excited to see his contract be up in a couple of seasons? <laughs> well, I'm not going to give you a great answer because I'm kind of in the middle. Fair I'm super excited about him. My husband is. He loves him. Um, I think that if we were to get a some guards and shore up our line a little bit more that he would be a, a great quarterback. Um, he's got a great arm. He's accurate. He just needs supporting people around him. Hello. I said that last week. I said that last week. <laughs> supporting cast. He needs a supporting cast. He does. He does. He does. Right. But I think, I think he's got an arm on him. It's exciting to see that. That's um, fun. Right. Um, I like Teddy. Um, you know, it's him like Teddy, uh, but it's exciting to have a, a quarterback that can do special plays, but it's also cringy, you know, <laughs> watching him. Mm -hmm. So I think if we were to do something with our line and maybe not pay him 45 million, uh, it would, I would be okay with it. Okay. Uh, fair enough. I, uh, last week, Henry Thomas, the former defensive tackle, nose tackle for the Vikings, was basically out on Kirk Cousins when we talked to him representing yeah. the Texans. He basically made fun of him, and so did his uh, his pal Fred Davis, and I did my best to defend him. Um, uh, I think there's a theme, though. Bryant, you said it with getting him a sporting cast, and then Dave, right. our guest from International Falls, Minnesota, last week said he would literally go to the guard store to find some better protection. So I think the, yeah. I think the consensus is, is that Cousins is not a quarterback like Russell Wilson no. that's going to – carry you hell or high water but bryant said last week um compared to like a joe flacco that he's probably a quarterback that is efficient enough to get you to the promised land if we had the defense that we usually had and he stays healthy 
Yes. It, yep, and that's one thing that's really uh, sweet about his game is that Cousins, knock on wood, has been, I mean, extremely durable. He's never missed a game due to injury, so... Yeah, we have we have that going for us. So, all right. Well, we'll keep that cousin's topic alive. We won't be going anywhere soon. All right. So, by let's flash forward in our brains to mid-November. Um, do you think, Meg, that by that time this defense, this Mike Zimmer defense, is significantly better than it is now, um, or are you of the opinion of what you see is what you get? No, I think they they'll get better. I think the young guys will. Um understand their roles better and play better they have to i mean i'm excited about next year because i think all that's going to come together you know i think they have this plan and it's all going to kind of come together next year but unless we get some kind of veteran person in the middle um you know to replace a michael pierce or something um is i don't know I, i i'm a zimmer homer so yeah <laughs> so Meg, i agree with meg on that part because i feel like experience is the best teacher so the more experience they have especially the young guys the better they'll be um you know a lot of them are new so by november they should have like a better understanding how everything goes Uh and and feel more confident and better of you know their role so yeah i agree with meg as well yeah i think i think they will um step it up i don't think experience is the best teacher yeah exactly and i don't i don't think there'll be a true zimmer defense until next year but i do think we'll see improvement Okay, we would. We're going to need the defense to pick up some sort of slack because uh, the offense with this four-headed monster and Cook, Jefferson, Thielen, and Cousins is going to win us some games, especially when the schedule lightens up a little bit. It's been somewhat ruthless, and it's going to get ruthless with the Packers and Seahawks on the horizon. Um, but if you are in the search of optimism, you're going to need those corners to mature on the fly. To Meg's point. Um, the middle of the defense is going to be the way it is right now. Shamar Steven is going to do his damnedest at nose tackle, but I don't think we have enough money to get a snacks, Harrison, and it's unlikely that Pierce is going to change his mind to come back. So we don't have that usual hefty run stopper in the middle. So the interior defense is probably as good as it's going to get. It's just a matter of whether or not Cameron Dantzler and Jeff Gladney, those guys can... Uh, bail us out, so to speak, unlike Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes could last year because that was the soft spot of the defense. And this is a terrific segue to the next question. Um, do you personally think, Meg, that we will see Daniil Hunter this season? No, unfortunately. That was going to be so cool with him and any. Oh, my goodness. But no, I don't. I think he's going to take his doctor's advice and sit the year out. Yeah, it sounds like based on hearsay rumor Minneapolis reporters that that's what it's leaning toward (laughs) and I wrote an article at Vikings territory that talked about this that there is a strong possibility that they knew this and the reason that they dealt for unique is because they perceived themselves as contenders this year and they figured well unique isn't too far away from Hunter so if Hunter does miss the season, let's go ahead and get Ngankwe, and we'll pair him with Afadia Denbo. And if Hunter comes back, great. We got probably a top three bookend duo of edge rushers in the league. Um, but on that Sunday morning when that news broke, I'm with you. It was about as exciting as it gets for a late summer transaction because it felt like we had uh, you know, our version of Von Miller and Bradley uh, Chubb there to you know start getting that pressure. So uh, what do you think, Bryant? Do you think Daniil's... Um, put a bow on him for this season, or do you think that he he'll he'll come back? No, I think at this point he'll definitely uh, wrap it up for the season and come back next season. Yeah, well, that's I'm with Meg that that is a supreme bummer because uh, yeah. a ferocious twosome of Ryan right. and unique. I mean, I'm not kidding. I'm not trying to sound and like. And I feel like what everybody looks forward to is those two. You know, once we know we got unique, but uh, I feel like yeah, next season he'll be back. Yeah. All right, so we have to play the waiting game. All right, uh, let's see. The last question that we have, Meg, is an apropos topic because you have in Buffalo, New York right now, um, our personal product that we drafted, Stefan Diggs, who seemed to grow stale with the organization from his perspective, evidently wanted out last spring. And however that shook down, he was traded to the Bills for some draft picks. And uh, we decided that to replace him, we were going to select Justin Jefferson from LSU. And lo and behold, in two weeks, uh, he's been marvelous. Um, it took him two weeks to, broke out, uh, to break out. 
Uh, I believe the offense was a little um, reluctant to get him involved. I'm not sure if he was game ready, but he sure as hell looks game ready now. So I'm asking you this hypothetical. Um, I'm giving you the power to retroactively veto the Diggs trade tonight. Uh, do you do it? No. And wh- and why is that? Well, I personally have never been a Diggs fan. My husband is. He, oh. that, was his, that was his favorite player. I'm on um, defense all the way, but... Um, I didn't like the childish stuff and his tweets and things that were annoying. Um, I'm all for a team player. So I thought we got a great draft pick. I mean, even if we hadn't picked Jefferson, we got the extra first round pick. And But we did get Jefferson. And just to look on, my husband's LSU fan too. And just oh, really? to look on his face when, he, when we drafted him, he was sitting there the whole time just waiting. And uh, he was so excited, so that got me excited. Really? So, so you kid us not that that is your husband's team, LSU. LSU is. Yeah. Oh, really? So that yeah. makes it even more sweet. Okay. Yeah. So Did he you? Knew. Uh, <laughs> he knew how good he was. Yeah. See, I only knew it from surface value watching college football here and there. Um, I think a dirty little secret of mine is I'm not a big college football mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm just selfish. I love the NFL product a lot more, and I spend probably one and a half percent of my time studying college and the 98.5 uh studying the nfl let me ask you on Diggs: did you grow sour on him or was you just didn't really like him from the jump i did not like him he just wasn't like he wasn't somebody that was like i guess everybody fell in love with him after the miracle and sure you know and you know i'm just again i'm more of a defensive person and the catches were great i mean i was basically got spoiled by them you know you get you forget that there aren't wide receivers like him. Yeah. Um, but once he was gone and I saw how excited my husband was about Jefferson, I was like, okay, this is going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad I'm glad it worked out for your husband, especially because that is a sweet transition for your okay. kingdom. Yeah. I mean, you can keep it. I, I want to add something. I do yeah. feel like we do have to um, add in the fact that Jefferson hasn't had a chance to have a preseason. So, no. you know, he's just, you know, getting acclimated now. But if he would have had a preseason, it would might have came even sooner as far as a uh, regular season. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You're, you've pounded that home, I want to say, on almost every podcast that we've we've right. done, Bryant, that, that is and true. I, and I can tell you, Meg, maybe not feel this way, but as a fan that, you know, gets way too obsessed with this stuff, I, I just don't give a, a damn about preseason because – it's always like this uh, precursor to excitement. So I used to tease myself and, oh, it's okay. I sit down, I'm going to watch it. And then I'm like, this, this isn't it. Um, but it is fascinating to study from players that are going to make the team. But if you're uh, out there listening, Brian, this has to be like the fifth podcast that he's talked about. Preseason is yeah. a deal. It is. And, and I not mean, just pre- Sorry. Go ahead, not just preseason, but OTAs too. I mean, they didn't yeah, have- all that. Yeah, they didn't have any of that. They didn't have any of that. And that helps with rhythm. That helps with timing. That helps with, like, you know, a lot of things. And Chemistry. They missed all that. So yeah. some some people, especially the rookies, are going to be a little probably delayed a little bit in, like, how well they get. But he's coming along now. So it's like, yeah. you know, week four. And he's, he's he showed up week two and, you know, three and four. So this is good. Yeah, we got it cooking probably just in time to save this thing or turn around if indeed it is salvageable. So, all right, Meg from Virginia, that's all the time that we have. I'm going to pencil, keep your name handy. I want to I want to have repeat guests and whatnot. So if you had a good time with us tonight, hopefully you'll come back on either mid-season or maybe even playoffs if we get there. We need to bring Meg back during some like when she should talk more defense with us, and she's a defensive. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Talking yeah. About Zimmer. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sweet. <laughs> well, then I will come up with a load of defensive docket questions for uh, the All next right. time she's on the show. All right, everybody. That is uh, Meg from Virginia. Thank you. It was nice, nice to meet you, guys. Meg. Thank you. All right, and once again, uh, thank you, Meg. We looked. Uh, we hope to have you back on the show either later in the season, maybe in the playoffs, maybe in the offseason, but we appreciate your contribution. And we're going to move on for the last uh, 20 minutes or so to the Seahawks. Um, this team is formidable. They are undefeated. Um, 
it's by no help of their defense. Um, the Seahawks are engaged in shootouts, and Russell Wilson is going to win an MVP award. If, uh, if you haven't heard that, then you heard it here first. Um, the Vikings have never beat Russell Wilson. He is 6-0 and against them. The only other quarterback that has an undefeated record against the Vikings is Tom Brady, and I believe he's 5-0. and um, so those are two, well, excuse me, with that many starts. I think Peyton Manning was also 4-0. Uh, but five starts or more, Brady and Russell Wilson are the only two dudes that the Vikings could never figure out. So we're tasked with going to Seattle for the third straight year in a row. Um, if you want to contextualize this in your head, since Kirk Cousins got here in the spring of 2018, in every season, the Vikings go play the Seahawks. So if it's a familiar, frustrating feeling, it's real. Um, the silver lining is that it should even out at some point. Um, the Seahawks in the next three out of four, four out of five, three out of five, they're going to start coming to U.S. Bank Stadium because that's just how it works. Um, so I want your immediate thoughts from what you saw down in Miami. Um, how good are the Seahawks? I mean, they're pretty good. They're pretty exciting. I feel like Russell William, uh, Wilson always tries to find a way to win. You know what I mean? I feel like they have a good defense. Um, the Dolphins, I feel like played them good at the beginning, like the first three quarters, and then they started pulling away. But uh, I just feel like the – I honestly feel like the Vikings should be a better matchup than the Dolphins. So I would like to see how the Vikings play. And it's funny that they play a week apart. So I can see how the Vikings play then. Yeah, uh, I would hope that the Vikings are better than Dolphins. And that's not a knock on the Dolphins. The Vikings are just a more talented team. And the Dolphins are in or were in a self-professed, uh, self-professed rebuild. Um, they have their quarterback of the future sitting on the bench. We don't know when he'll be ready. Um, and a fun fact is the only one in three football teams in the NFL are the Miami Dolphins, the Minnesota Vikings, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Denver Broncos, and the Detroit Lions. So I'm probably too bogged down in this to be objective, but the Vikings feel like a better team than all of those teams. Um, Denver has been unfairly ravaged by injury. I thought they were going to be quite good this year, but um, basically everybody at Everywhere in the depth chart, they have injuries. So that's neither here nor there, but that's the one in three caliber team that we're in with right now. Um, the Seahawks offense is humming along. They're second in points um, scored only to the Green Bay Packers, who are on a demonic pace. Um, the Seahawks are third in passing yards, 14th in rushing yards. So their offense does tick. Um, on Russell Wilson, like I said, he's on a highway to hell for the MVP award, and he's never received an MVP vote. So I think the scales of justice are going to tip in his favor so long as the team finishes 10-6 and six or better. Um, but the defense is a unit that is suspect. They've gotten away with it for about two years, maybe a little longer. Um, when you think of the Seahawks, because of the Legion of Boom of yesteryear, you think, oh, Seahawks, yep, they got a good defense. But I'm telling you, here and now, they have not had a good defense for the last two years. They've lost all the Legion of Boom. Um, that's just going to happen with age and whatnot. Um, so right now, um, their defense is 22nd in the NFL in points allowed, last in yards allowed, um, and then last in passing yards allowed. And it's not even close. I believe the Falcons are 300 passing yards better um, than the Seahawks. What they have done well somehow is stop the run. Um, but do you, Bryant, see any other scenario than this game being a shootout? Um, no, with the with the defense being that low, uh, low, I feel like this would be a shootout long as um, the Vikings offense comes ready to play. And like, they keep their rhythm that they've been kind of putting together. Uh, I can see this being a shootout. And really, they can't – the Vikings, by being on the road, you can't get too far behind because that's when it turns into like this – passing the ball type of thing and you don't want to do that where the Seahawks end up like having time possession more because they run the ball things like that try to run the clock so you want to get up on the road a little bit and and, and take your time run the ball you know play action all those type of things and if you remember you Mr. McKinney and uh, the listeners the Vikings hung tough in the Seattle game last year they scored first I believe it was a Dalvin Cook touchdown 
I think. And then Anthony Harris had a circus pick six that he returned. And the thing that made last year's game at Seattle go pear-shaped was turnovers. Uh, I believe Dalvin Cook had a fumble. And from there on out, um, the Vikings had a valiant effort in making it close. Um, But... That was the difference this week. The stuff that you and I have talked about for a month, um, the Vikings did not turn over the football versus the Texans, and they absolutely owned time of possession. The Vikings had the ball for 36 minutes to the Texans' 23. So everything that the Colts and Packers did to us in weeks one and two, we did to the Texans. So if you don't learn anything from this show, please learn that time of possession is humongous and turnovers, I mean, are... I think I think what fans do myself included, um, sometimes when we have a bad turnover, we say to ourselves, oh, we'll get it back. That's fine. That's fine to tell yourself, but the X's and O's of football don't work that way because A, the team's going to score, and B, you flip the field position probably for the rest of the game. So what you should start doing on your couch, um, and when we can start going to the games if the pandemic ever gets better, is – when the Vikings have a turnover or any team that you like has a turnover, it should make your stomach churn because that's what mm-hmm. lose football games. Brian, am I wrong there? No, you're not wrong at all. And that's one of the things that's, that's on our board in the meetings um, is definitely time of possession. Uh, the turnover ratio is big too because you always want to have – your team wants to have recover more turnovers than, than you gave up. You know what I mean? Because that pretty much lets you know who's going to win the game. You know what I mean? You have more turnovers than your opponent is a good chance you're going to lose. So that was something I always pay attention to. And then I always look at little things like miss, miss field goals, things like that. I always <laughs> feel like comes back and bites you in the butt later on. So it's like, you always have to be careful of that too. It's like the game always comes down. When somebody misses a field goal. It's like the game always come down to that one kick that was missed earlier. Like we would have made this, we wouldn't be in this position, but now we're in this position and you know, things like that. So those, some of the, those are some of the things that, we kind of pay attention to another interesting stat on that is the Vikings opponents have attempted 12 field goals and have made 12 field goals. That's the most field goals surrendered, which is bittersweet because we'd rather have those than touchdowns, but we'd obviously not mm-hmm. rather have them at all. But um, we're the only team with that many field goal attempts where the team hasn't missed any. So if you're watching the football games, as hopefully you are, and you think, God, they never miss field goals. It's because they haven't in, in these first four weeks. So it's wild. Um, the last time the Vikings won at Seattle was 2006 at Quest Field. It was October 22nd. Um, Chester Taylor had 169 rushing yards in a touchdown. And in the fourth quarter, Kevin Williams had a fumble recovery in the end zone. Um, Seneca Wallace was the quarterback. So, big man, big man, you've got to have some Seattle Seahawks or just Seattle memories in general, don't you? I mean, the memories of playing there, and I used to watch Walter Jones. Yeah. The left tackle that was really good. So, I used to watch him um, at the time because he was older than me. But uh, yeah, I just remember just being hard to, um, to hear. But luckily, they won't have to worry about that. So yeah. at this point, you just kind of execute because you don't have to worry about crowd noise. So it's just like, go out here and take advantage of it. It's like, I don't understand why people are not taking advantage of the fact that you are basically playing like in an even playing field because no crowd noise. Yeah, I think you said that. A lot of these games would be a lot worse. A lot of these games would be a lot worse if somebody seen, like, if people were away yeah. like, and they had their crowds there. Like, a lot of these games would be a lot worse. Yeah, well, thankfully, Houston. Hey, I don't feel like our first game, I don't feel like the first game, like with the Packers, would have been how it, how it was with all the energy in there and everybody screaming and yelling, like, distraction. But they could communicate. They could hear. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? So well, that's, and then, that's a reason to a home field advantage. Rodgers even flipped it around on us. He took advantage of the quiet stadium and had, I think, two – drew two offsides penalties – and it's supposed to be the inverse. When he's in our building, it's supposed to be right, exactly. a house of pain. And he used the cadence of his voice to flip it around on us. So um, you, you said that, I think, last week in about the Seahawks game when we started to nibble around it a little bit. You said, I think you implied this is probably one of the best chances that the Vikings will have to beat Russell Wilson, not in Minneapolis, because there won't be any fans. Is that true? So they I, need to take advantage of it. I've always heard that it feels like that stadium, like, quite frankly, is on top of you just by the way it's designed. Is is that – and it's different than other stadiums, it right? It is. 
it, it, I don't know what it is about that stadium, but it's like extremely loud. And the closer you get to each, you know, end zone, it's like louder. And it's like you, it's hard to communicate. It's hard to hear. Like, I just know the times I've been there is like, huh, what? Like, the person's right next to me, but we cannot hear each other. So yeah. it's like, take advantage of this. Like, execute. Just go out there and execute. Like, know your assignment. Just go out here and execute. You don't have to worry about crowd noise. Like, I would love to play right now, especially on the road, where I'm not having to worry about crowd noise. Because, like, being on the road, that's the main thing. It's like, okay, I can hear sometimes. Like, you know, you go to certain stadiums, it's hard to hear Kansas City is one of those places, too. It's hard to hear there. Like, New Orleans is hard to hear there at times. Like, so certain stadiums is like that. Not everybody's stadiums is like that, but certain places you go to is definitely is definitely difficult. So if I'm in a situation now where I'm playing these teams and I have to worry about that, yeah, I want to make sure I execute. And I think uh, the Vikings stadium either is that or is becoming that. Um, the Vikings have one of the best home records since that place opened. I want to say it's second or third best in the NFL. So hopefully on other radio shows around the world or United States that folks are saying like, Oh God, we got to right. go to us bank stadium in the normal world. I'm um, saying, Oh crap, we have to go to us bank stadium. Uh, so when you talk about, uh, you know, wishing you could play on those road games, do you ever wonder? So I think your birthday was a couple of weeks ago and you just turned 41. Do you ever wonder to yourself, like how you would fare if you, uh, you know, got into shape in a month and started playing football? Could you do it? I would just wonder because I know it's like more about the soreness afterwards. Yeah. How long that lasts, really? Yeah. So, like, okay, yeah. You play on a Sunday, the soreness kicks in Monday night. Yeah. Um, we're back at practice on Wednesday, but I'm st- I'll am still be sore. Like, maybe by Thursday, the soreness start going away, and then it's like, okay, Friday's here, and it's time to travel again on Saturday. I don't know. It just depends on my recovery. Yeah. What about when uh, you're. That's what I was thinking about. Like, what about when you're watching uh, today's ed ru- edge rushers, no matter who it is, do you say to yourself, like, oh, I could take that guy, or I, I could take that guy in my day? I do, because I feel like I was physical. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't see a lot of these offensive linemen being as physical. I didn't mind, like, I, I know how to use my body and my weight and, and, and golf people and stuff like that. I don't know if everybody is is as physical as some of the people that I watched or or even myself, so... I wouldn't mind being physical because I would, I would like to beat them up to kind of slow them down. Yeah. Oh, okay. I love it. And sometimes, I'm not going to lie, I would like I would like them to play somebody like a Floza Adams, like just different people before me because I knew they would beat them up. And then when it came to me, they yeah. may be a little like sore. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to beat you up too. Like, you know what I mean? Take a little fight out of you. Yeah. All right. Uh, I want a couple things I want to touch on before we get to predictions and wrap up the show. Um, this is kind of a global thing to think about. Um, Vikings fans, especially the long timers, um, when you watch Seahawks games or basically you just live your life and go through football off seasons, there is a lot of interchangeability between the Vikings and the Seahawks, and it's very weird. Um, I got a list of names I'm just going to read off um, for you guys who are listening to realize that all of these players I'm about to read off played for the Vikings and the Seahawks. And this is a lot Nate of... Carlson, yeah, I'm a, Oh, yeah. Okay, I mean... Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, first of all, Pete Carroll was a defensive backs coach for the Vikings in the 1980s. Uh, Steve okay. Hutchinson, you got that one. Daryl Bevel, uh, he's coached for both. Uh, Carl, okay. Carl Eller finished up his career with the Seahawks. Percy okay. Harvin went to the Seahawks. Uh, oh, he did. Uh, yep. Bob, Bob Lertzma, um, old-timer, went to the Seahawks. I Bob went there, too. Yep, Warren Moon, he finished his career there. John Randall, um, who we talked about a little while ago with Meg. Yeah, Sidney Rice. Yeah. Mike Tice spent his career in Seattle. Uh, Tarveris Jackson, your quarterback. He did. Kevin Williams. Yeah. Our buddy Blair Walsh. Shamar Steven, our current defensive tackle, nose tackle, has spent time jumping back and forth. Sheldon Richardson spent a year in Seattle, and who you kicked off with on the list, Nate Burleson. And those are just the big names. So it's like this weird pipeline that travels underground or something between Minneapolis and the Emerald City. And it was intriguing to write this list because I've always realized the wide receiver thing um, with Sidney Rice and uh, Burleson and Harvin. Like three of our understudies, so to speak, of Randy Moss have been jettisoned to Seattle. Um, but yeah, that, that's like 12 names of you know big caliber dudes that have played for both teams. So that's pretty unique. 
Uh, the last thing I want to ask you um, before we get to our predictions is, and this is, you're probably going to say, why the hell is he asking me this? If you were going to pick a quarterback to play for one game, so you get to be the offensive coordinator of the Super Bowl, are you taking Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson? I honestly, right now, would take Patrick Mahomes. I feel like he just finds a way. Yeah. He's exciting. He takes risks. Like, I don't know. I, just, I would take him. Okay. Probably not by much, though. Not by much. Yeah. I feel like they're, they're similar, but I I think maybe, maybe too because he's just younger, and I feel like he yeah. would take a few more blows and wouldn't, like, you know, would recover faster and just wouldn't even think twice about doing it. You know what yeah. I mean? So, yeah, I would take him. Yeah, I ask, that, I ask myself that a lot. So here's where I'm at with Lamar Jackson. Um, certainly uh, for the Ravens, he's phenomenal. Um and I know that people are going to roll their eyes when I say this, but just listen to me. So quarterbacks that play like running backs, and that's not a knock on that style. But like last year, Lamar Jackson was like sixth in the league in rushing yards. So for fantasy football, he's marvelous. And he's a great quarterback in general, but that is going to catch up to him. It happens to every quarterback that runs the ball. That doesn't mean that he's going to be decrepit and a bad quarterback by the time he's 27. But if you go through Randall Cunningham, Cam Newton, Dante Culpepper, um, and there's more, these dudes, because of their style of play, uh, Colin Kaepernick, they, they get injured, and it seems like their career takes a different path than somebody like uh, Warren Moon or Brady or somebody that plays till they're 40-something. Um, so I hold my excitement on Jackson because it's not that I think he's one big hit away like RG3 from being irrelevant, but the way that I see it, like Cam Newton, um, you have this year-long pause in his career due to injury because of the the efficient recklessness that they play with. So that's where that's why I don't quite put Lamar in the category of Wilson and Mahomes and I think Deshaun Watson teeters on the edge of that category in most years. Um, I was not impressed with him at all during that Vikings game. Um, I mean, sure, he'll, he was probably a byproduct of a situation that has gone badly, um, and he'll rebound from that. But I personally would take Russell Wilson if I needed one game. He, to me, he just, uh, he's like a wizard when it comes to wiggling out of stuff. And um, but it's it's a real one A and one B thing with Patrick Mahomes because the stuff he does is just incredible. So uh, we have a little bit different of opinion there, but it's not by much. All right, mm-hmm. so we're done talking about other people's quarterbacks. Hopefully, I never do that again. Um, let's get to predictions. Um, we usually start with me. I would love for the Vikings to pull this thing to two and two, and then turn around and get the Falcons, who look uh, like they're on the cusp of being miserable um, and potentially get the damn thing to three and two when we thought all, or three and three when we thought all was lost. Um, but I don't think that's realistic. Um, I do think the offense has the oomph to throw haymakers with the Seahawks, believe it or not. But the way that the defense has played, I don't see the Vikings winning a shootout. Now I was wrong last week and I, I've been wrong every single week on these predictions, so what the hell do I know? But I'm going to take the Seahawks over the Vikings, 34-27, to 27, which would put us at 1-4. and four. Um, But I, I'm, I'm not shot, uh, surprised, or excuse me, scared at all by the Falcons that are upcoming. So Dustin's got 34-7 Seahawks. Uh, what do you got, McKinney? I was going to take the Seahawks as well. And just hopefully because I'm just being superstitious as well, too. <laughs> but... <laughs> I was gonna say the Seahawks twenty four seventeen, um, and just hopefully that the Vikings prove me wrong. So you think it's gonna be low scoring just because, just because it's gonna be weird like that? Um, cause, you know sometimes like teams underestimate people, so like the the I don't see like the Seahawks coming out scoring a whole lot of points. Okay, because I feel like sometimes you kind of like underestimate a team. Like okay. oh yeah, they're one three, like we'll we'll be fine. And I feel like it may, they may get off to a slow start, but they'll pick up towards the end. Okay. I feel like the Vikings may get off to a fast start, but then slows down at the end. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So, oh, yeah, we've seen that. Right. So that's how I kind of look at it. So the Seahawks may first half get off to a slow start, but then the second quarter, I feel like I can see them picking up. And I, I feel a reverse for the Vikings. So that's why I put this for. Okay. Well, the other omen that we have going for us that this game takes place on my birthday. Um, so Sunday. 
Yeah, Sunday. Yep, I'll be thirty. Okay, Libra gang, I didn't know you. Were yep. Oh yeah. Now we're now we're even tighter, homie. Exactly. Uh, all right. So uh, okay. I turn thirty-seven years old at seven eleven a.m. this Sunday, and then about okay. twelve hours later, we'll be watching the Seahawks game. So hopefully that uh, gives me a nice little gift. Um, right. We'll see how that turns out. All right. Any closing thoughts you got, big man? No, hopefully we come back next week with the same energy. Yeah. Oh, wow. That would be great. Yeah, if we beat the Seahawks, right. this show is going to be on fire. All right. I'm going to recruit another fan for our fan segment because it seemed like folks uh, liked that last week. And then off-air, Bryant, I'm going to talk to you about um, some lining some guests up. I think we're at a point in the show where that would be doable. Um, but if you don't Let's got do it. it. All right. All right. If you don't got anything else for this week, um, then we're going to hop off air and hopefully maybe beat the Seahawks. It's doable. Yeah. All right. Let's wait and see. All right, guys. We will talk to you in one week and Skull Vikings. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.